ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. By far, in fact, far more likely to lose his job by Christmas than he is to win a trophy. That's a small sample of how some parts, not all parts, but some parts of the UK football media are reacting to news Ange Postacoglu will likely manage Tottenham in the Premier League next season. Anyone else getting a sense of deja vu? Have we not seen this movie before? Do we never learn? Ange might be coming off historic success with Celtic, but some are already writing off his chances in the biggest league in the world. Today we break down some of the challenges at Spurs and learn some of the biggest hurdles might be internal while asking how this move could impact Australian football. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Daniel Garvey is a football reporter for ABC Sport. He has covered the Premier League on the ground in England. He's interviewed Ange on countless occasions. Garvey, I know we don't yet have inverted commas official confirmation <laughs> that Ange Postacoglu will manage Tottenham, but it's all but done. He's fresh off a of Scottish treble, the latest in a long line of successes for him. So what's the reaction been like from Spurs fans, media, the football industry in the UK? They've come around. I mean, it was a similar reaction at first to the one that matched the reaction when he joined Celtic. You know, who is this guy? He's not fit for our club. But they've adjusted quickly. The last 48 hours, it's been interesting watching Spurs fans absorb information on Ange, watching his interviews, watching some of his famous speeches with the Socceroos. That when people said to you, you're not good enough, they're the ones that picked you up and said, no, no, you keep going. Think about that person. Think about how that person's going to feel when we win tonight. Listening to the Celtic fans' reaction, watching videos of the way Celtic played and realising that this is probably going to be a positive for them. Certainly in the initial sense of trying to galvanise this club that is very fractured at the moment, it's probably the personality that they need and a manager who can be ultra successful on the field. Can be, no guarantees of course, but has the potential to be because he's won everywhere he's gone. So the sentiment has changed. Of course there will be some ignorant uh, folk who will uh, write this off. Far better managers than Ange Postacoglu have not won silverware at Tottenham. Far better teams than this Tottenham team have not won silverware at Tottenham. And hopefully they're eating humble pie. (laughs) But I'd say there's a large portion of Tottenham fans who are open-minded, enthusiastic and uh, keen for the Ange Postacoglu era at Tottenham to start. He plays great football. He's won leagues in three countries, um, from my understanding. And all the fans in those countries enjoyed watching the football. So... It's a good appointment on on that basis. He can cope with pressure. He wins wherever he goes. It's going to be great to watch it unfold. For those who maybe aren't lovers of the round ball game, can you tell us who Tottenham are as a club? They're a very big club in in English football. I mean, they were an enormous club in the 1960s. They won several leagues. They're an entertaining club. Their brand's to dare is to do. So it's Mm -hmm. all about trying to be an attacking, entertaining football club. And Ange probably suits that, to be honest. But they've lost their way more often than not over the last 40 years. They haven't won the league since the 1960s. Their last trophy was the League Cup like 20 years ago. There have been several false dawns. There have been some managers who have come in who have got them into uh, the Champions League and had good runs in the Champions 
Champions League, like Harry Redknapp, like Mauricio Pochettino, who got them to the Champions League final in 2019. But then it always falls apart somewhere. The minute a crack start to emerge, they don't show enough composure and it becomes very toxic and everything piles on. And the fan frustration and having not won in so long usually boils over and starts to mm. affect the dressing room. And that's what they're constantly battling with at Tottenham. They're struggling with the concept of having not won a big trophy in so long for a club that is quite big. But the potential there is enormous if someone can get it right. And now an Aussie gets the chance mm. to try and do that. I think one of the biggest challenges for Postacoglu will be Tottenham owner, Daniel Levy. Who is Levy and why might he represent a challenge for Ange? Yeah, so he's been the long-term owner of that football club and he can be reclusive at times, um, but behind the scenes, he controls everything at that club. A micromanager, a dictator, some would say, incredibly headstrong, confrontational with managers behind the scenes when required. Everyone's going to have different opinions. The facts are the results weren't where they needed to be. You know, we have to do what we feel is right for the club and only time will tell if it's the right decision. No, but he's also had some good relationships and some success, most notably with Mauricio Pochettino. Andrew be aware of all of that. He would have, in his initial conversations, assessed what Daniel Levy's all about and if they can work together. To be honest, I think Spurs need someone like Ange to come in and, and take some of the tension away from Daniel Levy. The fans aren't happy with him as the owner. They, they feel as if it's time for a change. While he's given them some success, ultimately it hasn't quite materialized for them into what they want long term. Ange coming through with the way which he speaks, like he did at Celtic, where he galvanizes the fans, where he connects with the fans, where he understands what a club means to supporters because of his perspective. From the bottom of my heart for all support you've given me, the players, and everyone else, and uh, we'll enjoy tonight. As opposed to managers like Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte, who came in with such big egos and thought they were bigger than Tottenham Hotspur and therefore clashed with Daniel Levy, I think Ange will adapt far better to the situation at present. That being said, it can always clash somewhere down the line. If that's off pitch, what's the on-field situation that the 57-year-old is inheriting? It's a team that is lacking enough substance in terms of quality. There are some stars there like Harry Kane, one of the greatest Premier League strikers of all time. Benteco Kane! He's done it again! Mr. North London Derby with his second of the night! Another one in Hyungmin Song, who is one of the best Asian footballers of all time, who Ange knows very well. A top-class goalkeeper in Hugo Lloris. But there are several players who want out. Some good young players coming through, but it's a, it's a fractured squad. And it's one that really is going to go through a lot of change. I think that suits Ange. I think it's the best time for him to come in and, and revolutionize that playing group. He loves that. If you go through every one of Ange's conquests at the Brisbane Raw with the Socceroos, Japan with Yokohama, and most recently at Celtic, who were 25 points behind Rangers when he took over and in a symbolic state, those are the situations he loves because he can imprint his style and his methods, not just on the players there at the time, but across a whole squad. He can bring players in who fit his mould and ones that don't, he can ship them off easily. But there's still some big talent there. And Harry Kane is the interesting one. Mm. So 
What do they do with Kane? Does Kane want to go firstly? And there's a chance he will. I mean, he's been at Spurs for a long period of time. He's got the all-time Premier League goal-scoring record in his sights, but he also wants to win things. And time is running out for him at his peak. So does he make the jump now to a bigger club who can offer him that? Again, win-win scenario for Ange. If Harry Kane goes, he gets a lot of money coming in, expectations drop, and he can rebuild his squad without that pressure. But if Kane stays, he's got a world-class striker, and that helps him as well. You touched on his ongoing success. Brisbane, Melbourne Victory, Australia, Yokohama, Celtic. He's shown a desire to always play aggressive football. Do Mm. you think he will do that as a guarantee at Tottenham? And what's the risk, if so? So Andrew's got a famous quote recently when asked about always being plan A, always having this this one style. And he says, well, a vegetarian doesn't just drop by Maccas when they're hungry on the way home. (laughs) Because all of a sudden they they need a feed. If you've got a plan and a, and a way you live your life, you stick to it. It's what I believe in. It's what I can coach. So if you ask me to, to go into a club tomorrow and say, look, this club you know, wants to be really strong defensively, playing a counter-attack, which is equally fine and you yeah. can have a hell of a lot of success doing it that way, I can't coach that way. There is no chance of him adopting a different style. And that brings one question mark, I guess. The Premier League is highly competitive, as we know. And if you've got defensive deficiencies, they are exploited. And that is the one question mark on Ange. Sometimes his teams have been opened up defensively. But he's also been successful everywhere he's gone. And in leagues like Australia and Japan, which he's had even squads, he hasn't had the competitive advantage that he had at Celtic. So he can get through that, of course. But no doubt it will be robust, attacking, free-flowing football. And the Spurs fans will love that. Mm. Ange ball, if you like. And uh, they need that right now, Spurs. They need to be excited about something. They'll enjoy that early on. But of course, you need to keep it tight at the back to ensure that the results keep coming. He's shown a propensity to think bigger than maybe what people would expect. Some might be talking about the bar for qualifying for Champions League being the bar or jagging a league cup, Mm, mm. you know, a sort of second tier trophy if there Mm. is such a thing. What do you think he will be aiming for in terms of defining success? Yeah, good question. I'm not too sure at this stage. I think he's got so much to do that he probably won't even be thinking about that. Look, they finished eighth last season. If they can finish in the top six, I think Spurs fans will be really happy with that and, and making progress. I think this first year, if they can just be above eighth, and have a little run in a couple of cups and rebuild the squad, that'll be fine. The season after that, then it's okay. Now we need to push for top four again. Now we need to make a real run in a cup and challenge for a trophy. Um, But he's going to be revolutionizing that squad. So it's hard to really know what they are capable of at the moment because we don't know which players he'll have to work with. But yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the target would be. I would say top six is probably what Tottenham would view as, as the expectation. And I think that's an achievable one. Finally, how significant is this for Australian football, just in terms of changing perceptions and creating opportunities as he's done sort of everywhere he has gone? It's enormous. I mean, it's hard to fathom how difficult this is to achieve. So he's not someone with a strong playing background, right? He played in the NSL and for the Socceroos. If you're a Harry Kuehl or a Tim Cahill and all of a sudden you showed a lot of quality as a manager, you'd get an opportunity like this because you have a brand and a reputation over in in Europe. Ange didn't have that. So to go from being a manager bred in Australian football, who, by the way, 15 years ago wasn't even wanted by A-League clubs, he had to coach in a park in Melbourne, Mm. kids for free, just to maintain his skills. To go from that to a Premier League club, it is 
hard to fathom what he's been able to achieve. But in terms of being an ambassador and what it means for Australian football, it is enormous. Like I spent a lot of time in Premier League media rooms and you'd speak to journalists there and they'd ask about our great players and, you know, where's the next generation coming through? And they talk about how they loved watching Akil and Maduka. And it made you realize that these guys weren't just great players for us. They were ambassadors for us. And they improved the brand of Australian football around the globe. He is doing that at length at the moment. And those players taught the world that Australians can play the game and just teaching the world that Australians know the game. The work he's doing off the field, the way in which he speaks and unites football clubs and links clubs back to family and what they mean to people, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Fans resonate with that so much. Celtic loved it. And for you, the best on the planet. Unbelievable. You've embraced me, you've embraced my family, you've embraced this chopper. Because Andrew's perspective is, is so unique coming from a place like South Melbourne, which was so important for his Greek family immigrating to this country. And I think the Tottenham fans need that right now. And they will enjoy that and embrace that. And uh, to have an Aussie doing that, monumental for our game. Exciting times ahead. Daniel Garb, thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Headlines. Parramatta has named Dylan Brown to play Canterbury on Monday, despite the playmaker facing five counts of sexual touching after an incident in Sydney's eastern suburbs over the weekend. At present, he's technically available for selection as the no-fault stand-down policy only applies to incidents with a maximum penalty of 11 years or more imprisonment. Brown's charges carry a max five-year sanction. There's been some controversy at the French Open. Six-seed Holgeroon needed five sets to get past Argentina's Francisco Serendolo, but the drama surrounds a crucial point in the third set where Rune hit the ball on its second bounce. He won the point and then the set. The umpire just didn't quite see it. Here's Rune's take on the matter after the victory. I just ran for it, but then obviously when I saw it, after he did call it, I saw it uh, after the next point on the TV and uh, I saw it was a double bounce, but there the point already happened and he called the score. So I felt sorry, sorry for him. I managed to break him. I hold serve. Then after he broke me, it was close again. So, you know, this is, this is tennis, this is sports. You know, some umpires, they make mistakes. Some for, for me, some for him. So that's life. Cold-blooded. The Dame will next play fourth seed Norwegian Kasper Ruud in a juicy all-Scando quarterfinal. Jim Hines, the first man to break 10 seconds in the 100-metre sprint, has died, aged 76. Hines managed the feat in 1968, and his world record of 9.95 stood until 1983, when it was finally broken by fellow American Calvin Smith. And finally, he played for the Wallabies. Now Phil Wall will lead Australian rugby off-field, named as RA Chief Executive in place of the outgoing Andy Marinos. Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Tottenham FC, Celtic FC, Talk Sport, Optus Sport, Open Goal, Amazon Prime, and Sky Sport for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.